Hi everyone, I'm Cameron Borg and welcome to the Richie Flow Nutrition Podcast. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Zen Honeycutt. Zen is a mother of three and the founder and executive director of the non-profit organization Mums Across America. Zen has been a champion of informed consumer decisions throughout America since learning that the environmental chemicals in her food that her and her family were eating were affecting the allergic symptoms in her young boys. With her deepening understanding of the dangers of pesticide residues on conventionally grown food, she began rallying concerned mothers around the country to come together to seek change. Mums across America have been involved in large-scale attempts to have the labelling of GMO foods mandatory in several states throughout the US. While not always being able to prevail over the massive corporate lobbyists, the word continued to spread as more and more mothers have made commitments to change their consumer habits to protect the health of their families as well as the environment. I had such a wonderful conversation with Zen. She's truly an inspiring figure and has shown many that change starts with the individual. Her message is powerful and clearly resonates with many tens of thousands of people in the US alone. So with all that being said, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Zen. Thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, I'd love to know a little bit about how you got started in this in this realm, because it seems like a pretty strange thing to be getting into, to be such a, a proponent for choice and information. Oh, well, thank you, Cameron. I appreciate it. Well, like millions of mothers and parents across the country in the U.S. and now around the world, I was struggling with my children's health issues. And before I started Moms Across America, I was a stay-at-home mom. I had a natural wellness company. Before that, I was actually a fashion and product designer. I had no experience whatsoever in running a nonprofit or in being an activist. I didn't want to be an activist, but I was, uh, of course, I loved my children and I would do anything to protect them. And when they had all kinds of allergies and autoimmune issues and asthma and even autism symptoms. I said, something is going on here. This is not just genetic, right? Because my husband and I did not have those issues. Neither did their grandparents. There's got to be something going on with the food and with the toxins that they're being exposed to. So I looked into it and learned about GMOs and later on glyphosate initially. And I learned that our food supply was being... Um, infiltrated by genetically modified organisms and thousands of pesticides, endocrine disrupting, which meaning they change their hormones, carcinogenic, um, neurotoxic, you know, all kinds of uh, pesticides, and realized that was the primary reason for my children's health issues. So um, in the process of learning about that, I started Moms Across America, and I'm sure I'll go more into detail about other things, but that was the main reason why I started Moms Across America and became an activist, because I wanted to protect my children. And I realized along the way that it wasn't enough for my family, uh, for instance, to avoid GMOs and toxic chemicals and eat organic, because their future spouses we're out there somewhere, right? And I wanted them to be able to have a family, um, partners or spouses and healthy, happy children if they wanted to, because I wanted them to be able to experience the profound love that it is to have one's own child if they wanted to do that. And so I was highly motivated. Oh, that's awesome. Um, for those who might not be so familiar, um, what what is Mums Across America? Um, it's quite big, but I'm sure maybe in Australia, uh, not many people might know about it. 
Okay. Well, thank you. Moms Across America is a nationwide uh, nonprofit here based in the United States, a 501c3. And our mission is to educate and empower mothers and others with actions and solutions to create healthy communities. And we have a sister sort of group, you know, called uh, Mothers Across the World. And we have been, uh, we've traveled and spoken in Australia, in Sydney, in Melbourne, and uh, many places in Australia, New Zealand, North, uh, not North, South Korea, China, Japan, um, numerous places in Europe and um, across America and, and Maui as well. So we are connecting with moms in Scotland and Africa and South America and places around the country where they are all, you know, driven to find information and to share information and then actions and solutions that will help recover their children from the skyrocketing health issues that are happening around the world. So we're an educational nonprofit that supplies our supporters with information and uh, campaigns and actions and, and things to do that they that can have their towns and cities and families and communities be healthier. And we're making a lot of progress and we're reaching now uh, millions of people. We estimate from our social media reports over 100 million people. And um, it could be even more than that because we've been in probably 10 different movies and things like that. So we don't know. But what we do know is that we're hearing back from thousands of people that their children and their family members and they themselves are getting better by eating organic. So it's very hopeful, very positive, and um, we are so excited to be on shows like yours to, to raise awareness about it. Fantastic. Um, what, was, what was the goal when you started or like what were some of the goals and, and have your goals shifted since you started Mums Across America because the world's moving very, very quickly? Good question. Yes, it is moving quickly. Yes, in the beginning, our original mission was to um, educate, no, was to empower millions to educate themselves about GMOs and organic and to get GMOs labeled. And, um, and you know, also actions and solutions to create healthy communities. But the primary focus was to label GMOs. And our initial event was to join into Independence Day parades where there were thousands of people, you know, lining the streets seeing the groups of people marching down the parade and raise awareness with thousands locally and millions nationally in a single day about labeling GMOs. But over time, we realized that it wasn't just GMOs. There were all kinds of agrochemicals in the food, all kinds of chemicals in our drugs and in injectables and environment pajamas, you know, couches, cabinets, all kinds of things all, all around us. And it's, Th these toxins are harming and killing our children. And we have a compromised generation now to quote the title of Beth Lambert's book. One of the first books that I read was compromised generation and it's all about the toxic burden. And so, um, so that was, that was one of the main reasons, you know, one of, one of the main things that we focused on. So we have expanded, we've included now, um, uh, health freedom and also uh, 5G, you know, wireless radiation, um, because there's thousands of studies showing harm, and from from that it's basically an environmental pollutant. And so we have expanded, and we have brought in experts because I am not an expert in you know some of these issues, but we have brought in experts to advise us and to, um, and we refer to experts. We share their information about that, and although it can't 
can seem overwhelming at time. At times, we we do ask that our supporters take you know one issue, one thing at a time, and um, and to make these you know make small changes, which can make a, a really big difference in, in their child's health. That's amazing. What what levels of um, I guess have you been involved at a government level with the labeling issues over there, um, as far as GMOs are concerned, or like has it been at more of a community level? Yeah, so here in the United States, it it seems to be best to start out on a community level and to create grassroots movement, which then influences the senators and representatives. And that's what happened across the country with state by state. We uh, approached our senators and representatives and somebody in this case in California, where I was living at the time, Pam Larry um, started the Prop 37 GMO labeling initiative and got a, you know, a bill on the ballot. And so we voted on it um, in 2013 and lost the labeling. And so did uh, Oregon and Washington. And I believe yeah, Colorado did too. I think the only state that passed it was Vermont. Um, and, and it was a very dirty election. There, were, there, were false, there was false advertising to put out. We suspect even election tampering because of the, the, the polling numbers you know, that, that we're, people were surveyed. Um, and it was devastating for us. We were we were horrified that um, if it were true, you know, that the that the American public didn't want to know what was in their food. But we don't believe that was the case. We believe that people really did want to know, and um, and that it the, it was stolen from us. I mean, there was so much money put. I think it was a hundred million dollars put in by the general the general um, foods manufacturers committee or you know group, which was later pretty much somewhat disassembled. Um, there were people that ended up, you know, separating themselves from that, like, like, uh, Campbell's foods and things like that, that did end up labeling GMOs because they believed that the customers did have a right to know. So I wasn't really involved at a, at a government level at that time. It wasn't until I found out about, um, the huge impact that glyphosate has, which is what 80% of GMOs are engineered to withstand, uh, is glyphosate herbicides, which are uh, otherwise known as Roundup or Ranger Pro. And when I found out that glyphosate is not just sprayed on genetically modified organisms engineered to withstand it so that the weeds will die and the crop will live like corn or soy or sugar beets or canola, but it's also sprayed on grains that are, um, that they're going to, that they want to harvest more quickly, like oats and, um, wheat and barley and hops and, um, peas and beans and legumes and sugar, things like that, that anything that you harvest and is dried and you can find in the grocery store that's dry, pretty much is uh, likely to be sprayed with glyphosate as a drying agent because it's a chelator, meaning it grabs onto and hold, you know, makes unavailable any, the, 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 the nutrients of any living thing it touches. So it basically kills it, right? It's like a dry husk. It makes the wheat become a dry husk so that they can harvest it more quickly. And um, by the way, it's also taking the nutrients out when it does that. You're basically eating like, you know, a husk of a food then. So the, then we're nutrient deficient and mineral deficient. And no wonder why people are sick around the world, especially uh, sick now in, in America with COVID, right? With the high, some of the highest numbers are in, in America, um, are in places in America or in places around the world are places where uh, there's high levels of glyphosate and pesticides on their food. So, um, so that anyway, that is, is, uh, what, 
I think I lost my train of thought there, but <laughs> can you remind me? Did I answer your question? Yeah, no, you you covered it well, and then you you went you went into this um, really brilliant discussion about um, some of the things that are going on with um, uh, monocropping agriculture, and I guess agriculture in general at the moment. Um, I guess something that's hard for me to wrap my head around is the the pushback that you've got for simply saying should we not know what we're, what we're consuming as a, as a nation? Uh, does it surprise you how much pushback you've got? Oh, yes. It, it was really shocking. Okay. Now I remember what we were talking about. I was, I was saying that I didn't get involved in the government level until I found out about glyphosate. And at that time, yes, I did go to the EPA three times and uh, I was actually invited to the EPA after 10,000 moms called them and said, you know, we are not happy that it's being found in breast milk. Uh, this is ridiculous. So I did go to the EPA three times. And I was invited to speak at a congressional briefing. And the pushback that I got was primarily now we know from Monsanto, which is the primary manufacturer of glyphosate. It was actually revealed in their in the Monsanto trials for glyphosate, you know, for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma by the first uh, plaintiff of uh, about 125,000 plaintiffs that are in line now. Uh, his name was Lee Johnson. And in in the discovery process of that trial, it was miraculous. Monsanto did not file the right type of paperwork to prevent the release of the, of the documents. And so the documents were released to show that um, actually they... Um, let me see. What was I going to say there? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I lost my train of thought again. I'm very tired and I have an ear infection. So That's I'm a little okay. bit off today, but, um, the, oh, they showed, I know now. So they showed that they, um, were paying hundreds over 200 uh, people to attack critics like me. So that's what was happening online. I was getting attacked. Um, articles were being written about me, my credibility, my, background, my history, my family. I mean, there wasn't much to dig up at all, you know, but uh, they said what they could say things like, I'm not really a woman. I'm actually a man and my children are child actors and just ridiculous things um, to try to discredit me and, um, and say that we're, you know, we're all kinds of things. And the latest one is that we're anti-vax, which is, if you look at our article, you know, our website on there, we're, we're not anti-vax. We are pro-safety. We are pro-safe vaccine, you know, pro pro-safe choice, you know, choice, pro-safe uh, anything, right? And so we hope that uh, people will simply look into things, do the research themselves, and make a choice for themselves. We wish that the, the government would not, not try to hide information from us, like GMOs, and um, what type of harmful chemicals might be in products. I mean, for goodness sake, salt is listed when you buy a ham, right? Salt is listed there, but they don't list pesticides. They don't list GMOs. They don't, uh, you know, tell us what's going on. And, and they're, you know, lately, lately trying to mandate things and all of that have, has been very challenging for people, even people like me who have my children almost fully vaccinated, right? And um, who want to have choice for our children and what we're able to feed them or how to treat them medically. So we are, we're working really hard to raise awareness and to also support people and having the choice. Uh, I know your work is um, very much appreciated by a, a large section of, um, of the population around the world. Um, but I, I guess I wanted to know who, who do you think are the sort of nefarious players, the ones that are trying to maybe 
stop people from thinking about these things in a, in a deeper way, like you're trying to get people to um, go down that, that route. Yeah, well, I don't like to speculate, but I do know that uh, big pharma, you know, pharmaceutical companies and chemical companies, even oil companies are connected with pesticides and fertilizers, right? They, they are the biggest lobbyists of the American government. And the American government is one of the most, or if not the most powerful con- country in the world. And the American government has clearly bullied other countries to accept GMOs into their country to accept, you know, to continue spraying glyphosate. Um, presidents from both parties, you know, have been guilty or have been seen to do this to um, bully countries to spray more glyphosate or to accept GMOs into their country. And um, I see it happening, right? For instance, in Japan, the first country that Trump went to visit was Japan. And Japan just so happens to be the the own, the Japanese government owns the largest grain distribution center in the world. And it's in the United States. It's in Louisiana. And so they export hundreds of millions of pounds of GMO grains to countries like Australia and Um, Well, maybe not so much to Australia, but to China and Japan and Korea and um, and and many countries around Taiwan. Right. I know Australia competes a little bit with um, the grains as well, but they they are um, incredibly important for the American food supply. And so I believe that's why Trump went to Japan first. And after that visit, Japan opened up their market to multinational seed companies and they actually and within I believe it's another year or so now or, or soon um, farmers will not be able to share their seeds they will have to get their seeds from companies like Monsanto and Dow and DuPont they have completely I'm sorry to say this but it's like they're raping the food supply there they have completely infiltrated it and um, they are robbing it they're stealing it from the farmers and it is very political. It's pressure, right? They're saying you have to take these GMO seeds and GMO corn and soy in order to feed your animals, or we won't trade, you know, other things with you. I don't, I don't know whether it's cars or electronics or whatever, but it's all a big, you know, tr- it's like a trade war. And um, and we see results with China not purchasing GMO uh, crops from us so much, and hundreds of millions of of, um, or maybe not hundreds of millions, but millions of pounds and millions of dollars worth of soy and corn piling up in the U.S. and not being sold. So the, there are definitely politics at play here. And, um, you know, I'm not a political expert, but I can see what's happening with the trade things. Also, an, a recent article in 2019 showed that farmers in America got 22.2, I think, or $22.4 billion dollars of taxpayer subsidies. There were thousands of farmers that got over $100,000 checks from the US government. And that was because of that trade deficit. The majority of that money came because China and Japan were no longer purchasing um, American GMO you know, crops. And so maybe that's good for Australia. Maybe Australia is selling more, you know, non-GMO grains and, and crops to Asia and Japan. But in the United States, it, it, uh, it hurts our economy because the U.S., you know, the, the, the government's printing this money and then we're, you know, in a, in a, a budget uh, mess. And I don't know what's going on right now, but apparently late, lately they haven't approved, you know, the budget. So that could really throw the economy in a tailspin. 
And, and so that's, you know, we can see what's happening trade-wise. Well, one of the solutions to this, it seems to me, is moving away from conventional agriculture towards organic agriculture. I know here in Australia, the organic movement is uh, increasing at a very rapid rate, um, thanks to people like you and, and consumers who are really starting to think about this uh, and their children. What's, what's the state of affairs over in, in the States as far as organic food? Like, what are the prices like? Is it, is it possible for most people to afford? Well, that's a good question. And I would have to say that it's very difficult for most people to afford organic here. It is more expensive in, in most places up front. But what most people aren't looking at is the long-term cost. And there have been recent studies to show, and Moms Across America is included, we, we actually broke down the numbers for organic food in the United States, which, on, by the way, on the coasts, you can find organic in stores, um, almost anything that you want organic. You know, it's like New York and Florida and California and, you know, along the coast, especially in major cities, you can find organic. And you can purchase organic through Amazon or Thrive or, you know, different um, online um, resources. So you can find organic in the United States. It's just in the Midwest, it's very difficult. But when we broke down the numbers for the typical um, organic food prices compared to conventional restaurants, we found that if you were to switch out eating three dinners um, a week with for a family of five and maybe two lunches, you know, maybe go out to lunch or brunch on, on the weekend, um, you would save by having those meals at home or 100% organic ingredients, you would save $3,500 a year, US dollars. So it's actually cheaper to eat organic at home because the conventional food prices are, you know, you're paying for the experience too. And, but what you're getting with conventional food are GMO oils. Most people do not think about that. That canola oil that your fried food is cooked in is, is um, almost probably 95% or 100% going to be GMO. And the, uh, the wheat has probably been sprayed with glyphosate. If you're eating any fried food, there's going to be glyphosate on that wheat product. And uh, the chicken or beef or all, you know, whatever you're eating as far as meat will probably have glyphosate in it because it does go into the meat and the tendons and all of that. So um, there's going to be a lot of chemicals that you're eating through conventional food. But in most places, you can get organic food in the United States. And uh, one of the studies put out a couple years ago by the Organic Trade Association showed that 87% of the U.S. households um, bought, reg bought organic food regular regularly, at least some organic food. So definitely awareness about organic food has been um, you know, it is, it is increasing and it's the fastest growing market in the U.S. And, and I'm very happy that Moms Across America had something to do with it. We had a, um, a, a sponsor of a, a billboard company basically sponsored, you know, the, the billboards up that we put five billboards up in 191 cities all across the United States, uh, you know, one each almost a qu per quarter, right? We had five of them. And so millions of eyeballs got to see billboards that said things like organic, what grandma used to call food, right? So we raised awareness um, as much as we possibly could, and we're, we're really proud to be a part of that. I think you're muted, Cameron. Okay, all right, I'm back. Um, keeping on this line, okay, there you go. I wanted okay. to ask you about um, glyphosate yeah. testing and your experience with that, um, and maybe some, some of the people who are in mums across America going out doing glyphosate testing and then what the, what the have they found? 
Yes, that's a good question. So the story goes um, that I was watching a panel called the Heritage Foundation because I was instructed to uh, advised to to study your opposition. And this opposition was the pro-GMO panel. And there was a woman on the panel saying, our biggest problem are the mom bloggers that are saying that their kids get better when they get off organic, which is what I was saying because I had seen that in my own children. And she said, uh, they are perpetrating a fraud on the American people. They're fear-mongering and they have no evidence to show that this is what's happening. And I thought, ding, we have to get evidence, right? You learn from your opposition. It's really good to hear actually criticism and you know their arguments. And so I began to pester a farmer friend of mine who was somewhat of a mentor and knew a lot of people in the food movement to please find a lab, help me find a lab that could do glyphosate testing. I thought we need to get glyphosate, our children's urine tested for glyphosate because that would show that glyphosate was in their body and we could connect it to, you know, all these foods sprayed with glyphosate. And it took several months. I don't know whether it was six months or nine months or something like that. But finally, one day he called me and said, Zen, I found a lab that will test for glyphosate. And so as far as I know, we were the first uh, group, first citizen funded group to test for glyphosate in America. There was another group, Friends of the Earth, that tested in Europe. Um, and the levels found in my son, I was the first one to test in the, send in the, the, my son's glyphosate. I mean, my son, any urine in for testing, my son had 8.7 parts per billion of glyphosate in his urine. And the, the other levels, if any other, when other, any other testing was done, it was about nine in farmers, farmers that used glyphosate on a daily basis. And, um, and so he was clearly not a farmer. And he was not being exposed to it, you know, in that way. So I was irate. I was furious that that level of glyphosate was found in my son. And this happened to be at the same time as a sudden onset of autism symptoms. His behavior suddenly changed. It was very erratic. He was hitting and screaming and punching and his grades dropped from A's to D's. And his, doc his teacher told me something was going on with him. So I took him to the doctor and his doctor tested him. He happened to be an autism doctor, actually, um, who who I went to because he spaced out the vaccines. And that's just something that he was willing to do. And so he tested him and said, your, ch your child has autism symptoms, not autism, but autism symptoms. And I said, why is that? And he said, because the bad bacteria in his gut, C. diff and clostridia, the holes in his small intestines, all of this um, is causing inflammation in his brain. And the inflammation in his brain is what's presenting as autism symptoms. And, and I said, well, you know, you know, what, at first it was just like, well, what can I do about it? And he said, well, you know, get rid of uh, dairy and gluten. And I said, but wait a second, you're saying that the bad gut bacteria is causing the inflammation. This is exactly what I'm being told that glyphosate does. Glyphosate kills off the beneficial gut bacteria and allows for the proliferation of the pathogenic gut bacteria. And what Dr. Matt Buckley had told me in an interview was that on the outer walls of that bad bacteria, or it's just bacteria, but we call it bad bacteria, right? Like E. coli and salmonella, there's uh, something called lipopolysaccharides on the outer walls. And those lipopolysaccharides, their job is to tell the vagus nerve, it goes through vagus nerve to the brain to tell the microglia cells that there's bad guys, you know? So bad guys in the gut, right? Brain attack. And the, when the way the brain attacks is to create glutamate, which is an excitotoxin, which, which excites the brain neurons, and then they die. 
So then you have children that no longer can make eye contact the way they used to, or could speak the way they used to, or can do their math homework, like my son, the way they used to, or control their emotions, right? The way they used to. So I told him about this. It was a 45 minute discussion probably. And uh, I felt sorry for the people that were after us, but he said, you should talk at the MAPS conference, right? With doctors. And I said, well, I can't, I'm not a doctor, but you could, and you know, you, you could learn more about this. And so he did, he said he would learn more about it. And um, we went a hundred percent organic with my son. And within six weeks after going all organic, cutting out sugar, which also feeds the bad gut bacteria, dairy, uh, gluten, and uh, which was not fun because this was during the holidays. So he had to go through Christmas <laughs> with no dairy or sugar. And, um, and we also did do some antifungals and, you know, antibacterials for a brief amount of time. But the main thing was going organic because we were no longer putting in the glyphosate, right? Which killed off the beneficial bacteria. We were allowing the gut to balance out the bacteria levels. And at, after six weeks, we retested him and his glyphosate levels were no longer detectable and his autism symptoms were gone and have never come back. So we have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars um, that we're not spending on autism therapies by eating organic. And you know, really in comparison, organic is far cheaper and far healthier for people when you compare the overall healthcare costs. So that glyphosate testing was di what did it for me because before that we were eating, you know, mostly organic. I just kept thinking, well, a little bit's not going to kill anybody. And, you know, um, it, it just was like most of the time, you know, it, my other son was, had, had allergies that cleared up when we went non-GMO, didn't clear up, but were much better after about four months of going non-GMO, but we weren't hundred percent organic. But when I found that glyphosate level in my son and I realized, oh, he was the one, he's the, he was the only one of my three sons that were eating wheat. My other two sons had presented to be gluten intolerant, so they weren't eating wheat. So I said, oh, it's the glyphosate that's being sprayed on the wheat, right? That is just, you know, disrupting his gut bacteria. And, um, and that presented to be the case, you know, from, from, well, from what I can deduce, you know, deduct from what happened, that's what, um, that was, that was what was going on with my son. And so he eats organic now, all my children eat organic now. If they, if they go off course and don't eat it, they feel the difference. Their behavior changes, their gut health changes, and they realize it's time to get back to organic. I'm sure your story is not unique, um, which is, you know, quite scary to think about given how, how much food, uh, how much glyphosate we, we might consume on a daily basis, particularly children, because they're the ones that are eating, you know, the, the most of the packaged foods that are made with the commodity crops. But it seems to me like the, one of the big players in this and, Unfortunately, the, the guys that are stuck in the middle are the farmers. Uh, do you work with farmers who are trying to move from conventional agriculture into organic agriculture? I personally don't work with them, but I've talked to many farmers and I get advice from them, right? They, they help advise me about um, what's going on in the agriculture industry. But I, I, I like worship them. <laughs> now I used to think, um, you know, that, I don't know, I used to not think as well of farmers. I just, I used to think it was a job for, for people that maybe didn't want to get more higher education or something. I don't know what I, I just was very naive about farmers, but now I understand that farmers are, they have to be scientists, biologists, 
marketing people. Um, you know, they've got to do the animal husbandry in, in many cases. Uh, they are tireless, generous, committed, inc- humble, <laughs> incredibly humble human beings um, that are incredibly, in, the, in most cases, incredibly brilliant, like really, really smart. And um, I am a farmer wannabe. I grow f- my, our own food now, but you know, of course not enough to feed our whole family yet, but we are uh, growing a lot of food now. And um, so I'm learning a lot every day along the way. And um, what, I'm, what I'm seeing from the farmers is that there's, there was basically like a trap that they got caught in, right? They were told after, it, it's, it's sort of about 40 years ago, after World War II, big companies like Bayer, um, which used to be IG Farben and Monsanto and Dow and DuPont, all, all of those, they had you know other companies they, they broke off, but they were told they couldn't use their chemicals in warfare after World War II. Right, so they needed a new market, and they decided to tell farmers, "Oh, it'll be so much easier for you to spray the bugs and weeds on your farm." So they basically declared war on weeds, and they convinced farmers that their products were safe. And so farmers began spraying these chemicals on their crops, and they started to see that the crops would die because the chemicals would drift or kill them. And so then they decided to, to the companies, the chemical companies decided to genetically engineer the crops so that they would resist the herbicide and the tolerant. Now, the problem is we're not genetically engineered to resist these herbicides, you know, or pesticides. And so we are um, being impacted by that. But the farmers got duped and they got sucked into this treadmill of toxic this toxic, toxic treadmill of chemical cocktails, and it's very difficult for many of them to get out. In, in fact, in some cases, farmers would go to buy seed from the regular, you know, seed distributor in their in Iowa or Illinois, and they would find out that there was no non-GMO seed. It was only GMO seed, and in some cases, they would go to the bank to get funding for their crop. You know, some of them need a you know, hundred thousand dollars to buy new tractors and buy their seed and all of that every year. And the, the banks would not fund them unless they were buying GMO seed. So the, the, the chemical companies like Monsanto had somehow worked out some kind of deal with these banks. They're only going to fund them if, uh, they, if they buy the GMO seed. So the farmers were, many of them were stuck in a really hard place and, and were convinced that this was what needed to happen. Um, but some of them are also, you know, they just don't want to be inconvenienced and, you know, frankly, maybe a little stubborn. They don't want to change. Um, uh, but I can understand most people don't want to, you know, change their ways, but there are also a lot of farmers who are learning from uh, organizations like Rodale Institute, um, other farmer educators, uh, kiss the ground, farmers footprint. Uh, there's just so many now regenerative, regenerative international. They're learning from these different organizations and farmers, how to farm regeneratively and organically, which means no GMOs, no toxic chemicals, and almost no tilling or very low tilling. And the tilling is what releases carbon into the air and which disturbs the bacteria in the soil. You know, we have bacteria in our gut. Well, the tilling really disturbs the bacteria in the soil and the chemicals really disturb the bacteria in the soil. And then that makes the, the soil less able to sequester carbon. And when you can't sequester carbon, not only do you have less carbon 
you know, organic matter in the soil and the soil is not nutrient dense and uh, it erodes and it's, you've got to put more fertilizer in and all of that. Um, but you also have more carbon in the air, which is increasing things like climate change and crazy fires all across Australia and flooding in the Midwest and, you know, all of these uh, climate change issues, which is an, another enormous topic to talk about. But um, so they're now seeing that they can make a difference in that area and they can sequester more carbon by switching to regenerative organic agriculture. And we're thrilled with all of the different organizations that are supporting that movement. And, and we try as much as possible too, to, to let our, our supporters know about regenerative organic agriculture, but it is challenging right now because there's very little of it in the marketplace. You know, there's, there's very few companies that have taken on purchasing wheat and, you know, uh, grains from regenerative organic farmers. We, we hope there'll be more very soon. Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic um, to hear, and I think I think the tides are really turning on that because farmers are beginning to realise that using chemicals is not is a diminishing game. You you can't do it forever, and I think um, I think a lot of farmers are starting to realise that and and starting to change their ways, which is really promising to see. Uh, in the I think I heard correctly at the start of this year something about um Bayer saying that they will no longer use glyphosate in their roundup products or something along those lines uh what's what's the state of um play over there with uh roundup and glyphosate into the future yeah so just recently yeah i believe it was just a month or so ago um bear was bear announced that by 2023 they will no longer have the glyphosate version on the shelves so that means they will probably have another roundup version and in the uk they actually have a uh, i think it's a vinegar based version on the shelves i don't know what the other ingredients are because as many of your viewers may know you can have all kinds of chemicals in um, a product, but they only have to state the primary in ingredients and they pick what the primary ingredient is and they don't have to disclose all of the other ingredients. So we don't know what else is going to be in that uh, Roundup product. It won't be glyphosate, but it will be other, uh, possibly other chemicals. It may or may not be harmful. We don't know yet, but we're, we're thrilled that they're taking it off the market. That's a big step. Uh, but I want to be clear that they're not doing it for health reasons. They're doing it because the judge in the United States on one of the recent cases, I believe it was the Hardeman case, I, th I think it was the fourth one, um, said no uh, to their proposal after that case to a cap. They wanted a $10 billion cap in payouts to plaintiffs that were suing for the connection between non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and their Roundup product. And these were mostly backyard gardeners, a few farmers, uh, a few landscapers, but mostly backyard gardeners. And... Uh, the judge said no, no cap, because non-Hodgkin's lymphoma can take 10 years to show up. And that judge actually, he said, I'm a, he, he, I don't know how he said it, but it came out that he had used Roundup at one point. And, you know, what if he were to develop non-Hodgkin's lymphoma later on in life? So he said no. So because there was no cap, that meant that people could keep buying it in the stores and keep suing. And so Monsanto pretty much had to in order to prevent the, um, you know, litigation, the inevitable of, of, you know, and hundreds of thousands of people litigating, they had to say, okay, we're going to take it off the shelves. So it was not for, you know, health reasons. So, uh, you know, we don't know that they have really learned their lesson in uh, selling poison 
because they continue to sell, you know, Spectracide is right next to Roundup now in Home Depot and Lowe's and Spectracide has glyphosate and dicamba in it. And dicamba is, um, well, actually, I'm sorry. I don't know that it has glyphosate in it, but I know it has dicamba and it's right next to Roundup. And so what I think is that they're priming people to see Spectracide right next to Roundup. And then when Roundup goes away, they will buy the Spectracide instead. And dicamba is incredibly toxic and harmful because it has a unique uh, characteristics in which it drifts. So it can be sprayed. And when a certain weather temperatures, heat and things like that, it will drift uh, quite far away and completely damage other crops. You know, it makes the, the leaves curl and the development stops and it's very harmful. So I'm just completely <laughs> fed up and you know, tired of these comp- type of companies selling products that can harm our neighbor's gardens you know, and their health and, and cause liver and kidney disease and all kinds of health issues that uh, Dicamba has been shown to cause. So the good news with that, however, though, is that there have already been lawsuits filed around Dicamba and already won. There's a peach farmer that won, I believe, um, well, it was, it was about, I think it was about $300 million worth of damage. So I don't know how much money he won, but he did win. There's some wine farmers that are suing in Texas right now because somebody, you know, a nearby neighbor, uh, used dicamba and damaged their their great vineyards. So there are lawsuits already out there, and so I do believe these chemical companies know that their time, you know, is running short on selling these selling these toxic chemicals. Yeah, are you aware of um, maybe Bayer's future plans? Because it seems to me like they'll probably ditch the glyphosate-based GMO. I've heard Dr. Zach Bush uh, mention something about them moving on to something called Liberty Link, which is essentially a rebranded GMO, and they'll just market that the same way that they have with um, Roundup, uh, and we haven't really got anywhere. So do you yes. have any insight into, into what those plans might be? Well, I, I don't know exactly where they're going to go with that, but I have heard the same thing about Liberty Link, and they continue to try to develop. I mean, they, it was in Duo Enlist a couple of years ago, and the, there was a huge public outcry about that. And the EPA did approve it for a little while, but only in limited states. And then some states, even the, the governor said, no, we don't want that here, right? So the states can, can have the right to ban chemicals and products and, you know, and supersede federal rights, so federal uh, laws or regulations. So uh, that type of thing could happen. Um, But I would disagree that we haven't gained any ground. I mean, there's just a huge amount of um, progress in organic. In fact, there was an article out recently that Bayer is is now promoting or going to be promoting in 2022 uh, their own organic seed line. So they're going to be selling organic seeds for tomatoes and spinach, I believe lettuce. And you know, for greenhouses and then also for backyard gardeners. So they know where it's at. They know that people want organic. They know that we have, you know, peeled off that layer of this really stinky rotten onion and we don't want it. And uh, they they know that this is where it's going. And when I went to a, um, uh, I think it was a, a natural product supply West, it was the, um, the the um, the ingredients that are in like for instance the flour or cassava root or the cinnamon the the ingredients that are in products right so it's an ingredients supply side supply chain um, convention sorry I, I'm not thinking of the name of it right now but when when I went to this convention and talked to 
the 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 uh, supplier of these ingredients, um, like ashwagandha in a supplement, right? Things like that. Uh, I talked to them and they said, oh, the supplement industry knows that everyone wants organic. It's completely like that's the way that everybody's going. And um, we just can't get there fast enough. They're just scrouch, you know, scrouching, um, you know, scraping up the ingredients in order to be able to make their um, supplements organic. And now the problem with that is that a lot of big boys, big companies are getting in on that. And we don't know if they're uh, regulations are strict enough, or they're just slapping a green label on it, which has been seen to happen. But with soybeans, they would come out of Turkey and be conventional, and they would get to the Los Angeles port, and all of a sudden, you know, they're worth four million dollars more because they're organic. And so we have to be very vigilant about that. And the the best thing to do about that, I think, um, in in every country, in America, for example. Over 50% of the soybeans that we grow are GMO. I mean, they're 85 to 90 or 100% of them are GMO, right? But over 50% of them, I think it's around 70%, are exported. They're exported to Japan and China, as I mentioned earlier, right? And many other countries. However, 70% of the soy that we eat that's organic is imported. That doesn't make any sense at all. Why aren't we growing organic soy here in the United States, right? So, um, and, and, and is it really organic, the imported product? You know, so are we poisoning the American people with chemicals and GMOs unknowingly? And is that really best for our homeland security to be importing, you know, so much food from other countries? I think it would be much smarter for every country to be growing their own food and feeding their own people and supplying their people with organic food. I mean, that's there's just no better homeland security issue around that. I mean, especially when you consider that there was an article out um, that I think it was around the time when Trump was president or maybe just before that ISIS was apparently trying to poison the food supply, right? They were trying to ship uh, food to the United States that had been poisoned with some tasteless, odorless powder. So, you know, things like that are very scary. And the only way to prevent it is to grow our own food. So we are big proponents of increasing access to locally grown organic food, especially regeneratively grown, because that, that's, to me, that's food security. Absolutely. That's a that's a great message. And it's, it's something I think every nation should um, really take heed. If you can if you can be totally independent um, on that level with with food, you know that's that's a, such a huge step to make um, as far as building a, a strong nation. Um, I, I suspect I know the answer to this, but I, I presume you're optimistic for the future. The way the way you're talking. <laughs> well, I am as far as. Uh, what consumers are going to be calling for and demanding and taking actions to have, you know, to be available. Um, I, I am, of course, very upset with many things that are happening around the world, you know, government control and mandates and restrictions and, um, you know, and think in the lack of regulation. I mean, in the United States, let's face it now, they're not regulating GMOs. They're allowing the corporations to put GMOs out into our food supply without government regulation. I mean, if you look at it that way, we lost in a massive way, right? It, 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 that's just devastating for the safety of the food supply and for the safety of the imports from other countries that are importing our food. It's just not safe. 
Uh, in fact, over 70 gene edited, which is the, the new GMO, you know, 2.0 gene edited GMOs have been produced in just this year alone. Now they're not all out on the market, but we won't know when they're on the market, will we? Because they won't be labeled and other countries importing our food will not know if they are gene edited foods because they will not be labeled. Now, I don't think that's conducive to international trade. And um, I don't, I, you know, that is just not what should be happening. But because of, uh, you know, I don't want to just say social media, but because of the way that we have access to information now, which is another reason why it's being censored, but there's so much information now that you can get from so many different outlets and, and shows like yours and, you know, online news shows and all kinds of things. There's just no stopping the sh the spread of that information and and even never mind media you can't stop moms from talking in the preschool parking lot you can't stop us from calling our friends and our neighbors you can't stop it you may be able to censor our texts or or not censor but read our texts but um there's all kinds of apps and ways to communicate now that are you know encrypted and people are just going to be moving more and more to personal connections uh sharing information that's factual sharing their own experiences and, um, and people are, are going to believe, you know, what people say in a personal one-on-one -on -one level. So I'm very hopeful about the empowerment and the activism that's happening. I mean, when I started this, it was like not frowned upon to kind of be an activist. People thought they were just, you know, fuss budgets with too much time on their hands. They were annoying, maybe a little off, you know, uh, but now it's actually very cool to be an activist and people are speaking up and marching and protesting and rallying and doing their own podcasts and, you know, doing their own news shows. And it is very, very cool. And I'm so excited that people have, um, really risen up and spoken up and and stand they're standing up and they're saying enough is enough with you know this corporate corruption and government overreach and poisoning of our food supply and water and air and all that and uh, we're going to do something about it so i'm super hopeful and when i talked to my son about it who's 18 um, he might have been 17 at the time but i said you know ben are you are you worried? I mean, there's some crazy stuff going on in the world right now. Are you anxious? Are you concerned about the future? And he said, oh, no, mom, my generation, we got this. <laughs> We're not going to let this keep happening. Right. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's awesome. I'd like it to stop happening now, but you know, yes, I do have hope, uh, for the future. And, um, and, and I also have personal, like just a lot more, um, I don't want to say security, but a lot more just sanity and peace of mind and joy because I'm growing our own food now. Like we, we moved from suburbia. We got a small piece of land. We live in a humble area where uh, we can grow our own food and we are doing that. It's, it's, you know, like I said earlier, it's not enough yet, but we're learning. And to have that ability to grow our own food, it gives me a huge sense of, of safety and security and, and joy. I mean, to grow a tomato, to taste the sweetness of that tomato, it tastes so different from the grocery store. It's just so amazing. Like one of my kids said, mom, this is too sweet. <laughs> like it's just so delicious. So to be able to grow your own food is incredibly hopeful and and uh, and rewarding. So I encourage people to do that too, even if it's to cherry tomatoes in a pot on your patio, you know, or your bat, you know, your balcony. Try it. It's you'll love it. It's it's wonderful. That's fantastic. Um, I guess 
not many people would dispute that um, there's nothing more powerful than a mother's love and and you 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 can't stop mothers they're 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 a force to be reckoned with so with mums across america growing what what do you have planned for the for the future or what what do you envision for the future of mums across america oh thank you for asking we we are pretty fierce aren't we um, I don't know. It's just something that we will just continue to do and we will not allow fear to stop us. I always tell our moms, we, we don't let fear interfere with our commitment, right? We may feel fear at times, but we don't let it interfere with our commitment. And when I asked legislators about this whole marching and parades thing, you know, that we did when we first started out, I said, is, is that going to make a difference? Like I'm thinking March on Washington, you know, Martin Luther King, that my parents, you know, that whole March that made a difference. Would it matter if we were marching in 4th of July parades? And, you know, that's not on Washington. And he said, oh yeah. He said, legislators are more scared of moms than any other grassroots group they know that we will not stop and that we will not give up. And that's because the love for our children will never end. And I'm very hopeful that we will continue to expand around the world, moms across America and mothers across the world. And it doesn't have to be like a mothers across the world. Like, like when I went to Australia and spoke, it, it wasn't mothers across Australia. There was another group and it was called Madge. And um, mothers are demystifying genetic engineering and um, mothers uh, are something eating deliciously good food or something like that. And, and um, so whatever group of mothers it is in your country or that you want to start or that you want to support, I really encourage you to do it because you are going to get the best bang for your buck if you give donate to those groups than I think than any other group because we will, we will work multiple avenues and, you know, juggle multiple things and keep these plates up spinning, you know, and we will just do all kinds of things. Um, and we're willing to try all kinds of things, right? Women will try anything in order to find the thing that works. And so, um, yes, I'm very hopeful about um, our group expanding and people supporting us. And, and we have a new show now that's out on the Children's Health Defense TV, live TV network. It's called the Empower Hour on Fridays, 12 noon Eastern time, and they have an international network, um, huge network. So we're excited to be on that show and we hope that people will catch us there and they'll catch us on our Moms Across America uh, website. And uh, it, Mothers Across the World got purchased from us. So it's actually Moms Across the World. Um, so we have to gather up some money to buy <laughs> this URL, but you can find us through Moms Across America. There's a Mothers Across the World tab. And our Moms Across America website is translated now into Japanese and Spanish. You can just click on a tab and um, you can share that with your friends in other countries as well. So please do support us or support the groups of moms in your countries because uh, we, are, we are working it from all angles, at all hours of the night, <laughs> all hours of the morning, and we will not stop. We will not give up. So what a great thank message. you for that. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a fantastic place to finish. I, I can't thank you enough for your time. This has been uh, this has been a wonderful conversation.
Thank you for such great and insightful questions, Cameron, and thank you for having the courage to bring this to your viewers in Australia. I just think Australia is such a beautiful country with so many courageous people and creative people. And I just want to urge all of you to, to have the courage to speak up and to raise awareness and to have those you know dinner conversations, sidewalk conversations, talk to each other and, and connect and get together, organize, strategize, and mobilize to protect your freedoms, your health, your families, and your communities because you are the ones to do this. There's no Superman coming down to save us, right? It's up to you. Just like I took on, it was up to me to transform the food supply, not by myself, but I wasn't gonna wait for someone else to do it. So I urge you to take on transforming whatever area that is in your life that is not working for you and your community and, and miracles will happen when you say, I'm the one that's gonna do this the universe will conspire with you to make it happen. So please do. And um, thank you, Cameron, again for having me on. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to keep up to date with everything I'm doing, feel free to follow me on social media using at Nutrition. I'm writing articles, sharing information and offering my consulting services. So please don't hesitate to reach out. I've got some more incredible guests lined up for the next few months. So keep in touch. Take care, everyone.